Welcome back to the Future in Focus podcast, or if you're new here, thank you. In today's episode, we speak to Ian Spaulding, Chief Growth Officer at LRQA, as well as founder and former CEO of Elevate, an industry-leading sustainability and supply chain services business acquired earlier this year by LRQA. During this episode, Ian talks about ESG, or Environmental, Social and Governance. What is it? Why has it become such a mainstream topic? And how do businesses leverage ESG to demonstrate trust and transparency to their stakeholders? ESG is such a dominant theme in the media today, and so we began by asking Ian for his understanding of what ESG is and where it originated. So first off, ESG is not new. Uh, It's been around for quite some time, but it's been uh, called something different. Um, In fact, my career largely tracks with the the emergence of ESG as, as going into the mainstream. Uh, But 25 plus years ago, I think uh, we used to call it business ethics and uh, there were certain uh, environmental initiatives that were that were underway. Um, And a lot of private sector companies began to implement codes of conduct, ethics programs, management systems to really try and address issues of integrity or ethics, corporate compliance programs or environmental performance. That has since evolved and expanded, and now ESG really is mainstream. I think the vast majority of companies have an ESG strategy program uh, so they can actually be a positive uh, impact on society and ensure that their sphere of influence, their operations are actually uh, moving the ESG ball forward. So um, so I, it is a hot topic, but it's not new. Uh, it's evolved. It's gotten more complicated over the years. Uh, but today's uh, um, definition of ESG is inclusive of a variety of governance-related topics that include effective management systems, ethics, and compliance, like in the beginning of ESG, as well as the environmental initiatives to help companies identify science-based targets for carbon reduction or greenhouse gas emissions, and also more social issues relating to diversity, inclusiveness, supply chain-related topics. So it's evolved, it's expanded, uh, but it's definitely here to stay. So why did Ian think ESG is such a mainstream topic now? Well, I believe one main reason is I think there's a recognition that uh, we have some very large global challenges uh, in society, whether it be the climate crisis, uh, the environmental challenges that, that quite honestly, governments cannot solve by themselves. They need private sector actors to address Uh, In addition to that, uh, we know that uh, there is a lot of uh, um, hope that when all stakeholders come to the table uh, to further these ESG topics, then uh, we might actually have a chance in solving these issues and addressing uh, them uh, because they're much bigger than one country, one government, one company, etc. So it's kind of a everybody needs to do their part to address these ESG issues. Uh, now, um, there's also other reasons why it's more mainstream. Uh, financial institutions, governments are, are, are certainly regulating. Uh, financial institutions are also ensuring that they're not lending money to companies that are going to use that money uh, that, that, that are against their ESG objectives or goals. Uh, and so 
Uh, when you bring in the bankers and you bring in the regulators, obviously that makes ESG even more mainstream than what it was 10, 15, 20 years ago, where it might have been driven more from reputational perspective or how do I distinguish myself in a crowded marketplace? Now, it, it, it really is a license to operate. How do I ensure I'm in the game, I'm doing the right things uh, in order to appease regulators, appease shareholders and, and, and the financial community, but also uh, customers, as I demonstrate, I'm one of the stakeholders that, that is pulling uh, his or her own weight uh, to address these uh, quite significant ESG topics. We then asked Ian, how do businesses leverage ESG to demonstrate meaningful actions to stakeholders? Well, I think a lot of it is is how do they actually set targets? What are those targets? You, you can't just say we're going to do business as usual. We have to set some targets on reducing carbon emissions, improving performance, addressing risks in the supply chain or in your operations, uh, trying to if further uh, diversity goals, inclusiveness goals, uh, uh, et cetera. And so I think with companies um, setting those targets, they obviously need to implement initiatives, interventions to address them and to ensure that they meet those targets. And then lastly, uh, to, to report publicly on, uh, on their performance. Now, that's super important because companies are able, when they do that, uh, they're, they're able to actually demonstrate to the world uh, that they are, you know, uh, meeting the, these uh, sort of international objectives. So, um, so I think that that's ultimately, I mean, this is in essence a management system framework that, that companies have adopted to further ESG uh, objectives. And I think a lot of companies, uh, world-class companies, they're doing a great job in addressing many of these issues. Uh, which are quite complicated. I mean, these these are not easy issues to further in your operations because uh, they often actually um, require investments, uh, require management time and commitment to address it, trying to influence stakeholders, including uh, regulators and uh, and suppliers and other and even consumer behavior in some in some respects. So, uh, but those are some of what companies are doing in order to leverage ESG to achieve their. Uh, self-reported targets or even the targets that are set by the international community through legislation or other actors. Now, could Ian tell us about the role of assurance in ESG? Well, assurance plays an important role because a lot of stakeholders and consumers may not trust the private sector or companies as much today as they might have 20, 30, 50 years ago. I mean, in fact, there's a there's a decline in trust in the private sector as there is a decline in trust in the public sector and, and even activists or NGOs. As a result of that, I think companies, in order to demonstrate that they're actually making meaningful progress, uh, they have wanted to report publicly on the targets and their progress against those targets. But it's not just enough to report on it. Often companies want to demonstrate, just like with financial reporting, that they've had some type of independent verification, independent assurance uh, through firms such as LRQA to verify that they meet certain standards or that they're making progress in achieving those, those standards. And would Ian be able to tell us about the role of ESG in global supply chains? 
Many companies are struggling with uh, with their ESG in supply chains. I think they, they feel it's easier to uh, further your ESG objectives in your owned and operated facilities or buildings or operations in general. But when you extend those uh, mandates, if you will, to the supply chain, I think a lot of companies realize it's a much more complicated world. Uh, they're talking about working with suppliers in, in a variety of countries around the world, companies they do not own and operate, but that they just contract with. So a lot of what companies have done to, to further ESG within their extended supply chain is getting suppliers to adhere to their standards. So in other words, promulgating a code of conduct, a standard on carbon reductions or supplier uh, ethical performance, et cetera. And then to perform some type of due diligence. Don't bring in bad actors. Work with actors in your supply chain to make them better, to encourage them to be better. And then ensure that you're, you're using your pocketbook, your purchasing decisions, your procurement process in order to reward suppliers who are meeting their ESG objectives and penalize suppliers who are not. That's ultimately how many companies have helped to extend ESG throughout their subcontract supply chain. And you'll read about it with lots of progressive companies that have gotten greater disclosure on which factories they do business with. They've actually been transparent in reporting publicly on who they are. They've actually even shared audit reports or third-party independent reports on their performance on meeting issues such as social and environmental performance, and then ultimately demonstrating the impact that comes from ESG in the supply chain in terms of reduction of working hours, improvement of wages, elimination of child and forced labor, etc. And finally, there's a lot to digest about ESG. And so we asked Ian, how did businesses keep up if regulation is constantly evolving? Well, my advice for companies is, is recognize that ESG is here to stay. Uh, more and more governments are in the game. They will, in fact, raise the expectations on what companies are required to do. We're moving from historically a voluntary ESG uh, agenda to a mandatory uh, ESG agenda, uh, whether it be the OECD guidelines, the European Union requirements, the US government, Australian government, UK government. These are all governments that are getting in the game and requiring companies to set standards, perform better due diligence, and, and improve their ESG performance. So let's just recognize that's not going away. It's here to stay. So companies need to act. They need to begin to take a, a fresh look at everything they're doing. What standards do they put in place? What, um, what targets have they set? Have they staffed their internal operations effectively? Are they identifying the ESG risks effectively? And more importantly, are they doing something about it? Are they bringing about change to ensure they're managing those risks? If the answer to that is yes, uh, then I think no matter where the law goes, no matter where the regulations go, these companies have the, the, the management system that's in place to identify and manage those ESG risks and how they're evolving in the future. 
Um, so if they don't have that, those systems, the people, the resources, the uh, the tools at their disposal, uh, then I think they're going to continue to find that they're getting hit with a campaign. They're they're finding they do not have access to sell into certain markets. They're getting penalties by governments or financial investors, et cetera, that that say there's hiring higher borrowing costs as a result of your poor ESG performance. So it's there's a bit of a carrot to encourage companies, but there's more of a stick if they don't manage these issues. And that, that stick is getting uh, used by regulators more and more as they try and use their influence to drive the private sector to do more to address these very large ESG topics uh, that all of us need to take action on if we're ever going to solve some of the global issues that I think all societies are struggling with. Thanks for listening to the Future in Focus podcast and please visit our homepage on Spotify to listen to more episodes and stay up to date with new releases. For more information about LRQA services, please visit www.lrqa.com. Music